Hear the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs of every town and place where he himself was about to go. He told them, the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't carry a money bag, traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be unto your household. Peace be unto this household. If a person of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer, for the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't move from house to house. When you enter any town and they welcome you, eat the things, eat the things set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near you. When you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we are wiping off even the dust of our town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day, it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I've watched Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I've given you authority to trample over the snakes and scorpions and all of the power of the enemy. Nothing at you at all will harm you. However, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Uh, as you can see, I'm not Will. Uh, I'm Caleb. And uh, I've, I've been an elder at Reconcile for a little over a year, I think, or something like that. Um, but Will is in Charlotte. He's preaching at another church um, that supports us. And so we're, we're thankful that he's has the ability to do that, and I can preach. Um, and I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. I have a question. Have you ever known anybody who, maybe you were in a re relationship or something, or, or you liked someone, you were trying to get to know them better, and they asked you if you liked something, and you're like, oh, yeah, 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 I like it. But really, you didn't know much about it. And then they start asking you questions about it, and the, the deeper in you go, you're like, you're starting to tell on yourself a little bit of like, man, I really don't know much about this at all. Well, this has happened to me before. Um, it's, it's easy to say you're a fan of something, but it's harder to actually invest time and energy or money or whatever it is to actually doing the thing that you say you're a fan of. So like me, I, I say I'm a fan of the Duke Blue Devils. 
Uh, my grandma was a big fan, and growing up, I would watch them with her. Uh, but if you were to ask me right now to name one person on the roster, I have no idea. I don't know a single person. In fact, they just got a new head coach, and I have no idea who, what his name is. Um, so it's easy to say you're a fan of something, but there's a difference between saying you're a fan and actually being a fan, actually investing time, energy, money, whatever it is you need to invest to be a fan. Well, Jesus, when he was doing his earthly ministry, he was gathering crowds around him. There were, there were thousands of people. In fact, when he fed, he fed the 5,000 two or three different times, and that was just counting the men. There were probably at least 15,000 people there. He had crowds following him all around as he traveled, preaching the gospel and healing people. But there were a difference between the crowds that followed him and the disciples that he had. So he had a group of 12 disciples who, who were people that he had picked out to entrust with them the message that he had. And then he had a group of three that he really, really, really invested in. But we don't hear very often about the group of 72. Well, that's what we're going to learn about this morning, is there was a group of 72 disciples that really followed Jesus, and he had sent them out to preach the message. Our main point this morning is that to be a disciple of Jesus means you have been sent out to participate in Jesus' kingdom mission. If you were to ask what the, the uh, religion, the main religion in, in America is, a lot of people would say Christianity. But if you, come, if, you, if you study a little bit deeper, you come to find out that very, a very small portion of those people are actually practicing Christians. That they, they actively go to church and they're in community. They actively read their Bibles. We want to be people who are disciples of Jesus, people who follow Jesus, and not simply the crowds that are around him. So let's pray this morning. We're going to jump into the text. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would open our eyes this morning to see the truth in your word. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit to speak your truth with boldness, that I would speak with clarity, that you would give me the words to say this morning. And I pray that we would... Um, be doers of the word and not simply hearers, that we would hear the word and then we would apply it in our lives this week. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus sends his disciples into a plentiful harvest. Look at verse 1 and 2. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. It would be real easy to skip over those first couple words. It says, After this, what, were, what, what had just happened? Well, actually, Damon had preached from the passage last week, and we heard that there were disciples, there were people who wanted to follow Jesus. They came up to him, they're like, oh, I'll follow you. And Jesus said, basically, it, has, it requires a cost. There's a cost to following me. And the people weren't willing to pay that cost to follow Jesus. And this has just happened, and now we're here. And it says, the Lord 
appointed 72 others. Jesus is called the Lord in this passage, that he's not just a a person sending you out. We have not been sent out on our own authority, but we have been sent out by the Lord Almighty. In the last chapter, we had seen the transfiguration happen. The transfiguration is when Jesus went up on a mountain with two of his closest disciples, and Moses and Elijah appeared, and, and Jesus was all of a sudden changed his appearance and he, he looked, he was glorified in that moment. They saw him for who he really was. They saw that he was truly God. And he's greater than Moses or, and Elijah. Think about that. Like if Moses sent you on a task or if Elijah sent you on a task, that would be pretty incredible because these, these people were heroes in the Old Testament. I mean, Moses had led an entire nation out of slavery and through the Red Sea, that the Red Sea had parted when he lifted up his staff. He had seen the glory of God. He was the only one that when the mountain was shaking, when there was, there was a thunder and lightning and, and earthquakes, and the people were at the bottom of the mountain, he was the only one who was able to go up onto the mountain and receive the word and the law from God. Elijah had a prayer life that was so powerful, he could control the weather. I don't know about you, but I've never been able to control the weather with my prayers. I mean, these were amazing people in the Old Testament that God had used. And Jesus is standing before them, and he is greater than them. That where they are just a man, he is the Son of Man. He's God in the flesh. Jesus spoke the very laws of nature into existence. That he was the firstborn of creation. He is the creator of all things. He was the one who said, when you see me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is a powerful king. And he is the one who is sending us out. So he sends out his disciples and he assures them of fruit. He assures them that there will be fruit. That he's not sending them out for no reason. He said the harvest is abundant. I, I like playing basketball. The hardest shot to make in basketball is the wide open layup. When no one's around you and you're going and you're wide open, that's the shot that you start thinking about way too hard and it's so easy to miss that shot. What Jesus is telling his disciples here, there is no way you are going to miss this shot. It's impossible. Jesus already knows who needs to hear the message, what they need to hear, and when they need to hear it. And he is sending us out as his messengers to proclaim this gospel. Our job is obedience, to open our mouths, to say the words, and then the Spirit is going to do the rest. That we can water, we can plant seeds, we can, we can say it, but the Lord is the one who pr- provides the increase. He's the one who's going to cause the growth. So there's no way that we can fail. If we open our mouths and if we say the words, we've already, we've already done it. And we don't have to feel fear failure because Jesus says that he sends out his disciples to the places he is about to go. Think about that. Jesus sends out his disciples. He's like, go share the word. Tell them the kingdom is coming because I'm about to go there. 
Think about that when, when you are, are thinking of your coworker or your family member or whoever it is that God has placed on your heart. You, if you go in obedience, that is the place that Jesus is about to come. That he's about to show up in glory in that moment. But then he says there's no shortage of people who need to be pursued. He said the harvest is abundant, but the workers are few. There's only a shortage of people who are willing to pursue others. But we have the message of life. We have the message of hope. The gospel is the ointment for those who are deeply wounded. It's freedom for those who are stuck in slavery. It's purpose for those who are wandering. And it's a home for those who have been outcast. We have the message of life that we can give to the world. And we need to go. We need to be obedient. We need to open our mouths and give this message to the world. The gospel is a beautiful treasure that we get to share with the world. But he says the laborers are few. This is especially true in this community here and communities like this all across the nation. There was an article um, by the Atlantic in 2016 or 2017, something like that, uh, and they were, they were writing about how churches are dying in communities like this. In impoverished communities, churches are dying. It's because the old churches don't have enough resources to keep going, and not enough new churches are coming into locations like this, because it's hard, it's difficult. Who wants to go to a place as hard as this? And we, for years, our church has, has, we've had training available. We've said, if, if you want to come plant a church in a location like this, we'll, we'll do a residency. We'll train you for a year. And we've talked to the denomination about it, and they, they say, we just don't have the people. There's just not people who, are, who want to do that. And we've been looking for years. And so we need to pray. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, pray that, that workers would be raised up. We need to pray for more laborers. We need to pray that God would raise up new pastors, new worship leaders, new assistant pastors, new children's directors, that God would raise up workers from this community who would serve this community, who would love this community, who would share the gospel with this community. We need to pray that God would send new people from maybe outside of this community to come in here to share the gospel with people because people are ready to hear. We just don't have enough laborers. There's not enough people. We also need to pray that the laborers who, who do share the gospel would be strengthened. Every Sunday we pray uh, when we pray for the church in the world, we pray for churches across our county and for people who proclaim the gospel here and far away. That should be a regular prayer on our prayer list, that we would pray for people who are sharing the gospel here and far away. We, we need to pray for Brian. He's one of our missionaries. For Stacy. Because do, sharing the gospel is a labor-intensive work. It's a tiring work, and we need to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. 
But Jesus doesn't just send out his disciples uh, with no instruction. He gives them instructions in verses 3 through 9. The, the first thing is that he sends out his disciples in community. You see that in verse 1, that he sent out his disciples in pairs. Growing up, we watched a lot of Western movies, uh, me and my brothers. And my youngest brother, his favorite one to watch was something called The Lone Ranger. Now, this Lone Ranger was uh, this, this guy. He wore a mask. No one knew who he, who he was. And he would just go out on his own, kind of like a vigilante, and, and take out bad guys. That's what the Lone Ranger did. But nobody knew who he was. We're not Lone Ranger Christians. We're supposed to be in community. We need to be known by people. When we are commissioned together, when we're sent out together, it provides companionship for the journey. Because it's going to be long, it's going to be tiresome. We need companionship. It, it provides protection. That we're protected from our own devices. We're protected from attacks of the enemy. We're, we're, we're protected by um, influences of the world. It helps keep our doctrine right being in community. And then thirdly, it provides validation that our words are true. If you are saying something and there's someone right beside you saying, yes, I've been through that. When there's someone saying, I have been set free from the slavery to sin. These words are true because I have experienced these words. That provides validation for the world. And especially when we are in unity. When we have people of different backgrounds, different cultures, all proclaiming the same message that I was stuck in my sin, but Jesus came, he saved me, he forgave me, he redeemed me, he set me free. This is where the power comes from, that we are in community on mission. We're not sent out as lone rangers. But Jesus said, he gives a warning that we have no guarantee of safety in the mission. He said in verse 3, Now go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. He says there's no guarantee of safety. Wolves are predators to lambs. But he sends us out as lambs. And then he says he'll provide for the mission. Verse 4, he said, don't carry a money bag, a traveling bag, or sandals. Don't greet anyone along the road. He's going to provide all the things that we need for this mission. The only thing he asks is that we go, that we step out in faith and we walk in obedience to him. And think about the, the focus that this gives you, that you're not worried about any of the other things. All you're worried about is proclaiming the gospel, that you are living on mission. When you live in simplicity, it gives you focus because you're not, you're not thrown off by all of the other distractions that are in the world. And the one who sends you loves you. He cares for you. If he, he is the one who clothes the flowers. He is the one who feeds the birds. Will he not also care for his son or his daughter who is obediently walking in faith and the mission that he has for them? And then he says we need to show kindness and hospitality. This is verse 5 through 8. He says to greet people, 
when you come to their house, say, peace to this household. Now, that is just a, a, a Jewish greeting that they would say, peace to this household. I think what he's trying to get to here is he had sent them out into all different places. And they probably had come to uh, some Gentiles. They had probably come to some, some Romans, some people of different backgrounds. And he said, whether or not they are like you, greet them. Be kind to them. Show them hospitality. Say, peace to this household. And don't be looking for what you can gain from people. In verse 5, he said, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they offer. Just, just receive the things that they offer you. Don't ask for more. Don't be, don't be looking for ways that you can gain from these people. And don't grow impatient with people. Verse 7, he said, don't move from house to house. So it's so easy when you're, when you're sharing the gospel or when you're, um, when you're pursuing someone to, to grow impatient, to say, ah, I'm just going to move on to the next one. He said, don't move from house to house. Just stay in the house. Just keep, keep being diligent. Keep sharing over and over again. And then he said, show cultural hospitality. Verse 8, he said, eat the things that are set before you. I'm sure they had, had to eat some weird stuff. If, you, if you've ever been uh, to another country, you've probably been served some food that was not what your normal diet was. But he says, show hospitality. Just eat the things that they give you and be grateful for it. Show kindness and hospitality as you're on this journey. And it, as we do these things, we will see the kingdom of God come to earth. Verse 9, he said, Heal the sick who are there and tell them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. As we go, as we walk in obedience, as we share the gospel, we get to see little pictures of the kingdom of God that is coming. That one day we will live in a perfect kingdom but for now, we get to see glimpses of that kingdom. We get to see people healed. We get to see people comforted. We get to see families reconciled, people reconciled. We get to see unity where there once was separation. We get to see little pictures of the kingdom now. And that is such great news. But he also says that there are consequences for those who reject the kingdom message. Verse 10 through 16. He said, when you enter any town and they don't welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we are wiping off even the dust of your town that clings to our feet as a witness against you. Know this for certain, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. The first thing that I, I see here is Jesus says, when you come to a town and they reject you. We shouldn't be surprised that people reject the message. But we can have hope that they are not rejecting you. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the one who sent us. Verse 16, he says, whoever listens to you listens to me. But whoever rejects you rejects me. And whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Jesus said to his disciples, he said, is a servant greater than his master? 
What did they do with Jesus when he shared the message with them? They got angry and they put him on a cross. Should we expect any less? We're not greater than Jesus. And so if they rejected him, surely there will be some that will reject us. The same message that brought healing to the sick and comfort to the shamed will bring condemnation to those who reject it. That if you hear this message and you reject it, there will be consequences. Jesus, when he began his ministry, he quoted this passage from Isaiah. He said, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The very next line is, and the day of our God's judge, of our God's vengeance. The same message that can bring healing also brings condemnation for those who reject it. If you know the truth, that makes you more culpable. That makes you more, if you, if, if you know the law and you actively decide not to do the law, that just makes it worse. He says, he says that if you've seen the kingdom and you reject it, it's worse for you than it was for Sodom. Because Sodom didn't have Jesus walking around. They didn't have the word of God. They didn't have the miracles that had happened in Jesus' day and that happened today. They didn't see that. He said it's worse for you than it is for Sodom if you see this message, if you see the joy that could be, if you see the grace that I have shown you and you reject it. But it's not all bad news. In verse 17 through 20, we see that we belong to a powerful kingdom. The first thing that, that happens is they came back, returned with joy. The, seeing the kingdom, seeing the power of God produces joy in our hearts. And participating in the kingdom destroys the work of Satan. Verses 18 and 19. He says, Lord, they say to him, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he said to them, I watched Satan fall, like hev- fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing at all will harm you. The disciples thought it was less significant than it really was. They were like, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus is like, no, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Even if our work feels insignificant, even if it feels like nothing is happening, even if it feels like we're spinning our wheels or we're running on a treadmill, Jesus is using our work to defeat Satan actively right now. You say, I'm, all I did was go to church. Jesus is defeating Satan right now. All I did was pray for someone. 
Jesus was using that to defeat the work of Satan. Sharing a scripture, offering a word of, of encouragement, all of our work is not insignificant. Jesus uses our work as sinful as we are, as broken as we are. Jesus uses our work to actively defeat Satan right now. That God had made a promise in Genesis 3.15. He said the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the snake. And he is actively fulfilling that promise right now through his church. It began on Calvary when Jesus died and he rose again, defeating death, defeating sin. But it continues today and advances today through the church. Jesus had spoken to Peter. He said that the gates of Hades will not stand against the church. I always used to hear that, and I'm like, all right, so we'll be protected from Satan. Well, what does a gate do? A gate keeps people out. So there's, there's the gates of Hades. Satan is in there. The gates will not stand against the church. The church is advancing that right now we are seeing the kingdom of God come to this earth through the church. And the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom that we belong to, it is greater than any other kingdom. No other kingdom is greater. No other kingdom is stronger. No king is better than our king. But so often we get distracted with other kingdoms. So so easy to get wrapped up in the things that are going on around us. And we're worried about what's happening here, what's happening there. Worried about what people are saying on social media. There's so many other kingdoms that are, that are pulling for our attention, but we belong to the greatest kingdom. And it brings joy when we see the kingdom of God come to earth. It's brought joy to my own heart that I have seen the kingdom of God come to people in our church. I've seen people overcome addictions. I've seen orphans been given a family by our church. I've seen people delivered from a demonic oppression. I've seen people generously give to others who are in need. We have seen the kingdom of God come in this church. And we want to keep seeing that happen in our community. We want all of these streets to be changed and transformed by the power of Jesus. They don't have to go to this church right here. We want to see the kingdom of God advance. We want to see lives transformed. And his disciples, they were, they were real jacked up about all this. They were real excited. But Jesus, in verse 20, he says, Don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. To know Jesus, to be known by him, to have fellowship with him, that's the greatest gift of being in the kingdom. More than, than us being able to talk about God, we get to talk to God himself. 
more than telling people about Jesus, we get to experience him ourselves through the Spirit. We get to receive his love, his acceptance, his comfort, his healing, his victory over sin because of what he did on the cross. That he came and he suffered and he bled and he died on the cross so that we could be forgiven And then like I was telling the children this morning, we receive all of the good that he had done in in his life. That we receive his perfect record. That we receive his victory over sin. God is so good. And so you you may be listening this morning, you're like, all right, you're talking about being sent, just being a missionary or something like that, being a pastor, that's not me. And probably most of you will not ever work in vocational ministry where your job is, is to do ministry. So what about you? Well, you are sent to wherever your vocation, whatever your vocations are. So if you are a roommate, that's your vocation. If you are a husband or a wife, if you are a mother or a father, If you are a brother or a sister, that is your vocation. Whatever you work, that's your vocation. Wherever God has placed you, he has placed you there for a reason. So that's your mission field. And then this church has has been sent to this neighborhood that we have this community around us. And so we pursue this community. And if you want to know how you can get involved in, in, in serving this community, we have different ministries that, that meet in our church. That tr- and the goal is that we would bring people from this community into our church. And then we would begin to develop relationships with those people, share the gospel with them, and then they would be connected to this church. So if, if you want to know how to get involved with that, I'd love to talk to you about it. I'm sure John would love to talk to you about it or will when he comes back. But wherever you are, you have been sent to a mission field. That's all I got. I'm, I'm going to pray. I didn't have a good way to wrap it up. Jesus, thank you that you are good that you are in control of everything, that you have all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. Lord, and we belong to your kingdom. Thank you that you are a gracious God. You are slow to anger. You abound in steadfast love. Lord, I pray that, that we, would, um, we would go full of assurance that you love us, that you care for us, that you are our Father and our friend. I pray that you would strengthen us by your Spirit. And I pray that we would walk in obedience and in boldness because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.